The rules of Google are constantly changing and that's not new, but it's changing, it seems, faster than ever. And how can savvy marketers possibly keep up? Find out more from today's guest on The Savvy Marketer. It's time for another episode of The Savvy Marketer, stories and ideas to help you build stronger teams and plan smarter strategy. Today's episode is about SEO or search engine optimization. And our guest today is an expert in SEO. And he's gonna talk about three things that I think a lot of marketers do because they think they're supposed to with Google and three other things that maybe we could do that will help us narrow our focus and be more effective with less effort. But first, a marketing moment. Don't oversteer. In a world of clickbait, sensational headlines can drive marketers like us crazy. TikTok will destroy YouTube, or Google's next algorithm update will change everything, or email marketing is dead, or chat GPT will kill Google. Headlines like these play on fear to get a click. And it's easy to get riled up because as marketing leaders, we don't want to appear like we're out of date or that we're falling behind the times. So let me share some perspective. When I built my first web-based business, it was 1999. I'm sounding really old. Google was just a year old at that time. Any of the social platforms that you're using today, including Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and TikTok and all that, none of those things existed. And cell phones weren't even smart. They were basically just used to make phone calls. So yes, a lot has changed in that period of time, but I've noticed something about the change. Every year, in fact, more lately, every month, you're going to read headlines that tell you that something is coming along that's going to blow everything up and change all the rules. But it's never been true. I mean, yes, change happens and disruption happens, but it doesn't happen quickly. It's always been a slow fade. There's always been time to observe what's happening. There's always been time to adapt. So the next time you read a headline that tells you that this thing you've been doing is going to be dead next month, resist the urge to oversteer. Now, don't stick your head in the sand, obviously, because change does happen. But don't let clickbait drive you to make a hasty decision. Because the only thing that happens quickly is the fizzling of that next big idea that doesn't make it. Think about it like this. Marketing is about putting your message where your customers are. And in case you haven't noticed before, large groups of people don't move anywhere quickly. And that is your marketing moment. So I told you that today's episode is about SEO. When I started Spire in 2006, I joked that I accidentally started a web design company. I was trying to start a marketing agency, but everybody wanted websites. And so that was our focus. And during that time, we not only did a lot with websites, but we got really good at SEO. For the first six or seven years of Spire, we were able to really dominate search engines and help our clients do the same. But as we shifted into a wider set of marketing services, it became really difficult to keep up with every little thing that happens with SEO. So I would no longer consider myself an SEO expert, far from it, but I definitely know who to call whenever I need some strategy advice to make sure that we're pointed in the right direction. Whenever I need advice on anything SEO related, there's one guy who I always call. His name's Dustin Montgomery, and he operates Dustin Montgomery SEO Consulting, and he's our guest on today's episode of The Savvy Marketer. Dustin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Happy to be here. So what do you do as an SEO consultant? Yeah, so SEO consulting can mean a lot of things. Uh, the things I kind of specialize in are technical SEO audits, uh, keyword research, and content planning. Okay, and how did you first get into this? Yeah, I first started getting into SEO 
uh, when I was working as a web developer in Chicago, I saw how much they were paying their SEO marketing company for very basic uh, help and information. And it seemed like they were just kind of throwing things at the wall to see what stuck. And I, I knew that there was a lot more technical way to go about it. Hmm. So that's when I started dipping my toes in the water. So while you were at this company, you were trying to, to bring some of that in-house. Is that right? Yeah. I started advising them internally and then started, you know, consulting on the side from there. Yeah. Cool. So Dustin, when you aren't working, what are some things that you love to do? What are some things you're passionate about? Yeah. So, uh, these days spending a lot of time with my family. Uh, we have two young girls, uh, my wife and I, and, um, so when we're not doing family stuff, I try to, uh, sneak away, um, to, to land parties, uh, you know, those are something I grew up doing and still love to, to do when I can find the time and, and video games in general. Okay. Uh, I found a lot of so fun. So a LAN party is like a, a video, is a party with, that's tied to video games? Yeah, so essentially a LAN party uh, is where everyone brings their computer to a physical location and networks them a, uh, a LAN, a local area network, okay. and uh, plays games that way. Cool. So usually staying up all night, drinking yeah. lots of pop and Cheetos, etc. <laughs> Really good. Is it Mountain Dew? Is that the beverage of choice? Mountain Dew is, is historically a beverage of choice, yes. Yeah. I'm These not trying to stereotype so or anything, but... <laughs> it, it's stereotyped for a reason, yeah. Yeah. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see in the world of SEO? I know it's changing fast, and so what are some of the biggest challenges you're seeing yeah. right now? Yeah, typically what I see um, a lot of is is technical understanding. So. You know, if someone's made a website and, and for small business, medium sized business, you have a website and it's there, you know, it's not something that gets updated maybe unless it's necessary or you do like a marketing refresh, but understanding kind of what's under the hood is really important for search engine optimization. So for example, if you just have a, a web page and it's, it's got a lot of graphics on it, but not a lot of textual information. Well, Google historically is a textual indexing robot, essentially. Yeah. And so they, they don't have an understanding for what your business is about. And so they can't display that to a user, even though from a, a human perspective, you know, it looks just fine. Okay. So people could have it right on the front end of their website, the thing that the world sees, but the, the translating that to Google is where things can break down. Yeah, exactly. So on the flip side of that, I feel like when I was hardcore into SEO stuff like 10 to 15 years ago. Sometimes I felt like I was working for Google instead of making Google work for me. And I would be afraid to make certain changes on my website because we had this amazing number one ranking in Google. And I was afraid that I'd make this little change and it would, I'd lose my ranking. And so yeah. I think I kind of ended up getting sucked into doing things for the algorithm instead of focusing on creating great content that maybe the customers wanted. And so I'm curious, is that still a problem today? And is that, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely still is a, is a problem, especially if you have that like coveted, you know, page one position or featured snippet, you know, changing a little thing could change how Google understands your website in terms of balancing for a search engine versus balancing for like a human user. I think you have to do both. Um, you know, Google more and more tries to have a human-like understanding. So you have that in your favor. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, you know, a website is to serve a purpose. You know, getting visitors is one part, but, you know, maybe it's conversions, maybe it's, um, you know, signups or, or something like that. 
Um, that's the other part of it. So you, you definitely want to kind of hold both of those things in parallel. You, you mentioned the human aspect of that. There's been a lot of talk about chat GPT lately. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on how that's maybe going to change the SEO landscape? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, technology just moves so quickly. Uh, that's kind of my favorite part of the job is, is keeping up with it and seeing how it evolves. So ChatGPT is um, it's basically a program where you're able to type in prompts, questions, anything you want to this artificial intelligence program. Um, it, and it's really interesting because it does have a kind of human-like communication with the user. And so it makes things really easy. So a few things that that allows us to do from an SEO perspective is to ask questions and get responses, which can help with generating content yeah. so in the form of different questions. Okay. Um, it also allows us to be able to generate like title tags, do some like keyword research. Um, it, it's, it's really an ongoing process to see kind of what we can pull out of it from an SEO perspective. Okay. But generating the content is probably that kind of like holy grail of, of uh, SEO marketing is can we get unlimited amounts of content on our website? Yeah. In order to do well with SEO traditionally, I need to create content that answers people's questions, right? I yeah. need to anticipate the things people are searching for. And I need to create content about it. And so the conversation is, and I think what you're saying is there's people saying that I can use chat GPT. I can ask the question. It gener I might say, write me 500 words about this question and it writes it. And then I don't have to write it. Is that right? Um, yeah, that's essentially correct. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, having this robot do the work for you and what it puts out is, is pretty human like, mm -hmm. but it has its downsides already. Right. Okay. Um, you know, probably first and foremost, it's, it's not a factually correct text generation. Uh, so it can be making up facts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have no idea. So yeah. then you find yourself fact checking the content, which means you probably, you might've been better off writing it yourself or having a writer write it. Okay. Um, the, the second is that Google is, is definitely hot on the trails of, of this. Okay. Um, and so we know that they are currently working with OpenAI to try and put fingerprints of sort into this content. Um, and aside from that, it already has patterns that can be detected by third-party programs. So it's not 100% foolproof. And it's one of those things where if you're trying to take a shortcut, it's probably not going to work out for you in the long run. Yeah, good. I mean, because otherwise, I mean, what's to stop every company from just churning out all the content and then where do you get your information? So I, I'm yeah. actually, I think that's important. Um, do you think, th does ChatGPT have a role in the future of SEO? I definitely think so. Um, I think that it does a really good job of creating outlines. So basically the way this, um, this AI was trained was on like billions and billions of documents. Um, and so it, it knows a lot of the right answers. And so creating an outline to, to be followed, um, it often lays out a very logical uh, path where sometimes, you know, it, you know, it might take you a while to put that together. So it, it definitely has some, some benefits. Okay, good. So would you ask it for an outline or would you? You can directly ask it for an outline. Yeah. Okay. You can also ask it to, um, like, for instance, give you the pros and cons of something that you're still researching. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically it is a shortcut to, to researching different things and, and learning. Yeah. And so there's still a lot of, a lot of benefits, even though it's not a, you know, a hundred percent shortcut to, to getting your content created. Good. 
and I've seen some clickbaity uh, <laughs> headlines that say that Chat GPT will kill Google or will take over. And I don't know. I mean, I, what are your thoughts? I don't believe that because I think that they're doing two very different things. But what are your thoughts? I, I um, I've been a lot of been a part of a lot of debates about this recently. Um, I don't think that that Google is is unaware of it. Um, they have they have language models that are you know better. They have many years of experience trying to filter uh, true information from false information. Yeah. Um, you know their, their pockets are deep. If it was really a threat, they would just purchase the company, and, and that would be that. So they, I, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, well, and I'm not worried about uh, Google's ability to survive, but I'm, I'm wondering if, like, will people do... <laughs> do you foresee a future where people do all their searching and information gathering on a chat GPT-type platform instead of on a search engine? Long term, I think it's really hard to say. I do think in the short term, if anything, we'll see it accompany the search results. Um, we already have featured snippets, which are really similar uh, mm -hmm. where Google pulls information from a web page and cites its source. Um, so I think we might see more of that type of stuff. Um, we might see Google, Google get a little bit better at that. Um, I don't think that there's any way Google could cut out their ad revenue and still be a uh, keep their shareholders happy. I think yeah. that, that that bottom line is, is too important to, to fully go to a chat-like experience. Hmm. Yeah. How do they monetize it? Kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, Dustin, we talked in advance that the savvy marketers who are watching our program have a lot of different things on their plate that they need to get done every every day, every week. And SEO is one of, of many. And yet, I think that there's a lot of folks out there who are doing things to satisfy Google um, and spending a lot of time, but maybe they're not focused on the right things. Um, so, can you unpack some of the things that, that you're seeing that maybe are a waste and some other things that, that maybe they should be doing instead? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different things, but I, I thought about it and I think there's a few things that I see see most frequently and and the first one comes down to how people are creating content. Um, a lot of businesses, you know, start a blog, maybe they started a blog ten years ago and it, it you know, they kinda of update it once in a while. But really when it comes to creating content, especially for a blog, I see a lot of people creating thin content. Mm -hmm. um, things like, hey, we participated in like a like a five K and here's a picture. And that's kind of it. And, that, and that's good. And that's a great to have that community involvement. But when that's most of the content on your blog, it's really not helping Google understand your company and, and business. It's really not helping any consumers solve solutions, which is kind of the main goal of content marketing or one so of the, the main goals. The thin content, should they not put that content on their, on their blog? They, I mean, should they maybe put it on social media instead or... I think that would be the best place for it is to, you know, if, especially if it's just a few sentences or one sentence in a picture, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of a social media thing. Yeah. I would leave blog posts for content that have more in-depth explanations uh, related to business. Uh, so we're talking like use cases that are, are important or help you uh, demonstrate, you know, your abilities, um, things that your, your customers might be searching for, how to help them solve a problem even if it's not, you know, directly pitching your, your solution, okay. um, you know, things that are going to be a little bit more helpful to a textual search engine, but also to, to a user who has an issue and is trying to understand your business. Okay, good. What else? 
Yeah. So the second thing I identified was buying links. So if you have any sort of SEO experience, you know that links are, are something that you want to have. And I think that if you are out there buying links, especially in, in today's market, and you don't really have an in-depth knowledge of the industry, of the different providers or metrics that they use, you're going to get yourself hurt. <laughs> so to put it like that, yeah. you're probably going to do more harm than good to your website. Okay. Um, so it's not that maybe these links are bad per se, because they'll often give you the links and you can look at them. It looks all right. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the long term, these these websites, they have different flags and Google's very good at looking for them and discounting those links over time and potentially even penalizing a website for unnatural link building. Okay. Um, so chances are you're not going to get it right if you're just out there buying links today. Yeah. But what you should be doing for links is you should be aiming to create content that is going to naturally acquire these. And I say, I say naturally, I almost put air quotes around it because sometimes you need to do outreach to make people aware of what you've created. Mm -hmm. That's all right. But, um, you know, if you have something that's unique, it's helpful, something maybe a journalist could use as, as a citation source, that's the kind of stuff that's, that's going to be the way to go. The third thing I have here is keyword stuffing in the page. So this is definitely an old technique in terms of, of the way I'm phrasing it. Um, but even today, a, a lot of people will be like, oh, we want, you know, we're, we're going to spend a little time on SEO. Let's make sure we're, you know, targeting this article towards uh, service X. And so we throw service X in there a lot, link to it a few times, but really it doesn't necessarily help the readability. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really, it, it's unnatural. And so that kind of thing is, is something Google can pick up, but also it's something that's not necessarily going to help you. So the right thing to do would be to, you know, write it from the get-go with the service in mind, as well as looking for the related terms that go along with it. So if you have service X, well, mentioning service Y and how it's different would naturally occur within the context of that page. And so really having that kind of keyword first mindset from the start is going to be your best way to go. All right. So Dustin, first of all, can you just recap those three key things that you shared for us, the, the don'ts and the corresponding do's? Sure. Yeah. So the first thing, uh, blog post formatting, don't create thin content, create things that have in-depth explanations about your business. Okay. The second thing, don't buy links, create content that is aimed at earning links naturally. Yeah. And the third thing, uh, don't just throw keywords on a page. Uh, create the content with those keywords and related keywords in mind from the beginning. Awesome. Okay. And I'm curious, do you have stories maybe of, of ways you've seen people kind of bring some of these things together and get results? Yeah. yeah so uh, one, of, one of my favorite examples is when I was working uh, with a high competition lawyer. Uh, the, this lawyer was in the Texas area for a big city. Um, and so doing the the basics wasn't quite enough to to get this guy where he needed to go so we need to look a little bit deeper at his website and what we found was after we removed the thin content we found that a lot of his content was disjointed so he would published a lot he would worked with some marketing companies over time and he had a lot of different content that wasn't really organized okay um so basically we organized that information we filled in the gaps by looking at, you know, what his competition was doing that maybe he didn't, you know, covering different practice areas. Yeah. And uh, we were able to get him ranking on the first page of Google for his city uh, plus lawyer. So it was like 
it was a really big term, thousands of searches a month. Uh, he, was, he was very happy with that result. But basically, yeah. removing the thin content and reorganizing the information, um, it, that, that was enough to, to do it for him. And so that yeah. was really exciting. Another example I have was uh, working with a manufacturer. They had a website that was built and did the job well, but it didn't take any technical SEO into, into consideration. So there weren't really meta descriptions. The, the products didn't have descriptions or, or some of them didn't have photos. Okay. Um, so a lot of modern, I guess, SEO amenities were not included in the way they created this website. So once we corrected those and started adding uh, like schema markup, uh, you know, getting a roadmap in place for creating content. Um, last I checked, they were up like roughly 2000% since I worked with them in terms of traffic. Wow. Um, okay. it, it, it's just these, you know, it was, it was functional for a human, but it wasn't functional for Google to understand it. So once we kind of combined those two, they were able to, to get on track and, and start selling a lot more product. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I think the thing that's overlooked because SEO is hard work and it's, and it's hard to get the payoff. But man, when you can get that, um, I mean, it's it supplements you know what you would pay to to buy advertising to get into your website to drive all that traffic. It's just this thing that keeps working for you, and yeah. so um, when you can get it, it it is so valuable. So um, we're about out of time, but I'm just curious if you're talking to a savvy marketer that's gonna that they've got a lot more than SEO on their plate, and you could encourage them to just zero in on one thing, just one thing every month to help their SEO. What would that one thing be? Yeah, the the one thing that's that's very hard. But I I would say if there's only one thing that you can do, create a piece of content each month that highlights your business, uh, whether it's a service or a case study or something that goes really in depth to an area that you have knowledge in. Being mm -hmm. a part of that business, if you are able to demonstrate your expertise that way, that adds up and compounds over time. Um, yeah, good. It's not just that single post that you're looking at. You're looking at the whole website benefiting from that over time. Very good. Dustin, I want to thank you for taking time uh, today to, to jump on the show with us and to share your wisdom on, on SEO. Um, if people are looking for help with their SEO, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So my website, DustinMontgomery.com, that's where I throw up case studies. You can find my email on there, different things like that. Uh, that would be the place to go. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And Absolutely. Um, I appreciate everything that you do to, to help us and our clients as well. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Savvy Marketer and that you've been able to narrow your focus down to just a couple key things that you can do to help improve your search engine optimization. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to like and comment and also subscribe and share this episode with other people who may need to see it as well. Every episode of The Savvy Marketer is brought to you by Spire. We're an Ohio-based marketing agency that helps you sharpen your strategy, get the stuff done, and make it hum. Take your marketing higher with Spire. Thanks for watching.